And hello, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of Ask an Engineer. This one is CircuitPython Day Edition. Ask an Engineer. We're going to have a whole range of engineers here, right. from hardware to firmware to software to documentation to everything in between, and uh, talking about what we're doing here with CircuitPython. This is a, a magical day, 9 9, the snakiest day, and 8 o'clock, which is a snaky time as well, very right. round. Uh, and we're going to just check yeah. in with everybody. And then theoretically, we're also celebrating the uh, latest release. CircuitPython 6 is the poster. You can see this. Mm -hmm. We'll be asking some of the folks on the stream tonight about what's new in CircuitPython 6 and more. And I'll bubble up some questions from the chat. Yeah. And Discord, adafruit.ic slash Discord. So let's start to bring our team in. We've got Kat okay. and Dan, boom. Scott, Kepler, Helen, Melissa, and Brian. All right, so this like Hollywood Square. Yeah, this week, <laughs> you know, normally you know we do our thing very presentation style. Yeah. Um, but Python is code plus community. Kind of came up with that that uh, that slogan, that word, that tag. So I thought I'd start off in no particular order. Um, I'll call on each of you. Maybe just talk about a couple sentences about who you are and what you work on in the world of Circuit Python. So I'm going to start with uh, Katni because she's the square right over here. <laughs> Yeah, it's backwards. I was I spent our live stream pointing the wrong direction. Yeah, that's fine. You're over there. Got it. Top center square. All right, Kenny. Well, you just introduce yourself, but yeah. All right. What, what do you do? So I'm Katni. Um, I work with CircuitPython uh, in lots of ways. Um, I oversee all of the CircuitPython libraries and coordinate everything involved with those. Um, I've had the opportunity to write a couple libraries. Um, as well, I've done projects uh, that usually end up in guides, um, so that's been a lot of fun. Um, and I've actually I've designed a few uh, CircuitPython compatible breakout boards. In fact, um, they have my name on them, um, so you'll know if you have a Catney board. Um, and uh, a lot of documentation stuff, a lot of um, background stuff, kind of a lot of things. Okay. A lot of things. All right. And what I'm going to do throughout the show is if you have questions, I'm going to store them off to the side and uh, we'll get to them. First, we'll do intros and then I'll sprinkle some questions in between. So we'll do a little bit of each, some intros and then some topics and then we'll jump over to some questions. Next up, Anne, where are you, what you do, and what do you do at CircuitPython? Hello. Um, I'm an engineer who. Um, does a number of things for Adafruit and the CircuitPython team. Um, Katni mentioned guides. The Adafruit Learning System has over 2,000 guides. Um, I'm a, the primary uh, moderator before they go to uh, Lady Ada for final. Um, I look them over. I, I've authored uh, a few dozen uh, guides myself. Um, I also do a lot of the the writing and technical writing, the social media writing for uh, uh, CircuitPython native group team. I'm currently doing the editing on the Python for microcontrollers newsletter. Celebrating 99 mm -hmm. this week. So we could claim we timed it that way because CircuitPython day is 99, just having to work out that way. But next week is the 100th Python on hardware newsletter. It is. All right. Incredible. Okay, next up, Jepler. What's up? Hi. Python, what do you do? Well, I'm the new guy, so I do whatever they tell me to do. 
but I just love getting to work in all of the parts, mostly in the core, but I've dabbled a little bit in the libraries. And um, yeah, just give me something new and exciting to learn about next time is the way I would prefer to do things. Yeah, all you've right. done a lot. You've done the sharp memory display mm -hmm. IO add-on that was recently um i think right you worked on mp3 mp3 decoding you added yeah that. yeah we just saw a project on show and tell um right, mp3 is a big deal because cool. one it's out of patent two everyone has them everything can like export to it and that means microcontrollers finally have music yeah and now right. you're on canvas so you're actually kind of working on like all the things that are like the, the uh like the icing on top right mm. of the circuit sure things that people really wanted for a long time and we haven't uh, been able to do and you're, you're able to go in and just sweep them all up. Yeah, and I'm doing things I didn't imagine I would do like appear live on YouTube uh, with everyone watching me. So yeah. that's a lot of fun too. Don't worry, nobody can see you here. Okay, this that's is, a relief. This is very private. I, I think when you, when you build a community and you build something that's really special, um, it's really easy to do these things because you know the people involved, you see the projects out there, there is a community of folks. Everyone's um, helpful in looking out for each other. And you know the subject matter so well. So I think like live streaming, a lot of times people try to do it, but they're not as interested in the subject matter. They're told, go do that. And they're like, oh, mm -hmm. man, I'm like, I don't know. What if they ask a question? What but this is like what we do every single hour. In fact, we do a weekly, um, we call it creative engineering chat, but at yeah. 6 p.m. we do a chat all together, and it feels a lot like this. In fact, it looks a lot like this. It does. <laughs> around, like, what are we working oh, on? Man. And I'm always like, oh man, like I, you know, too bad we can't broadcast that. So this is like maybe the first, yeah, for, first step towards that. We may as well broadcast it all. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to feel connected to this community in a way I haven't in my other jobs, um, just because they're people I identify with instead of people who are just users, right? Yeah. Yeah, you can see a lot of the work that you do, like the code you publish, you'll see someone come along like Liz, for instance, and show a project, you know, like mm -hmm. that's the code you just finished, yeah. you just published, mm -hmm. that's neat. Yeah, and she's not some faceless client of a client of a client. It's like, she's, exactly. she's there. She's, the client wants the logo bigger. And she's showing you like, <laughs> okay, you know, I'm doing this MIDI thing and it's triggering, you know, double trigger, why? And you'll figure it yeah. out. Yeah. All right. Sure. And we didn't plan this this way, but Center Square, Scott, the lead developer, engineer, and... Uh, Circuit. Everyone point at Scott. And yeah, <laughs> Center Square. Scott, what do you what do you do and what are you up to at CircuitPython? I think you gave me a decent introduction. Uh, my name is Scott. I was the first person that Adafruit hired to explore MicroPython on the SAMD21, which is a lot of the boards that Adafruit produced. So I'm kind of the OG uh, developer on what became CircuitPython. Um, if you have questions about why it's CircuitPython, you can blame me for part of that. Uh, we can have those discussions, no, but a community decision. yeah, yeah, it was, it was more than just me, uh, for sure. And, uh, so right now kind of like, I, I try to lead the project, giving us kind of a, a long-term vision to what we're doing, uh, and, and how that fits into what Adafruit's doing on the hardware side. Um, and then I spend a non-trivial amount of time trying to get more people ramped up into the project, into the community, both on the core side, which is where I work most of the time, but also uh, on the library side as well, and the community side. So uh, I am also doing deep dive streams now. So on Fridays, I do uh, two, two plus hours of, of kind of low level circuit path encoding that I think people are enjoying as well. So 
uh, lots of outreach, and uh, at the end of the day, also the core work uh, for CircuitPython too. Yeah, and I also like how um, you know we're we're all dealing with not traveling to physical events, but we haven't slowed down at all as far as getting more people into the community. We've been using all these tools. Um, we've always had live streaming, but the team has amped it up even more. We've been doing show and tell for an hour. You started deep dives. We're back desk of Lady Ada. Yeah, desk of Lady Ada, and so. It's one of those things where once you get momentum and like a weekly schedule and there's enough interest and people can see their work, yeah. uh, what Jeffler was saying. So thanks for thanks for doing that too because it's it's just as important and as it, as interesting as pushing out code is is getting new people in to then help also push out code. Right, like more multiple people will always be able to do more than a single person. So there's. Definitely uh, that like figuring out that balance of like bringing more people on board plus uh, doing stuff myself and and yeah. most of these folks here are have been brought on uh, after me so it's working. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right, thanks so much, Scott, and we'll be mm -hmm. asking you some questions uh -oh. very soon about CircuitPython. All right, Dan, who are you? And what are you up to at CircuitPython? So I'm Dan Halbert, and I've been working on CircuitPython for just a little over three years now. I was kind of, I guess, the second full-time person to come on uh, after Scott. I met Scott, and I was doing some bug fixing, but not being uh, not working for Adafruit. And then I switched to working for Adafruit, and so I did a lot of the core work to begin with, um, a few kind of helper libraries, and. Then when we started working on the um, Nordic NRF chips, I did a lot of the original implementation of the core work for that. And then added a BLE, uh, that's a Bluetooth low energy um, module. And so far I've implemented this module three times, yeah. once for on uh, the NRF, uh, once on um, host computers like Windows, uh, Mac OS and Linux using something called Bleak underneath. And then I'm just finishing up an implementation for um, uh, ESP32, which also can run be uh, a Bluetooth low energy uh, device. So I keep doing the same thing, but different every time. So it's okay. Yeah, but you're like master of Bluetooth. Yeah, well, Scott has also done, Scott has done, uh, he significantly changed the API that we had uh, and sort of cleaned it up, which is good. I was kind of following a, a straightforward trend that he, he made it more declarative, which was a good thing. Yeah, which uh, it's so complicated. I like the actual thing we started. I said it's so complicated; only one person can do it. It's it's too it's very difficult to split the work between yeah. people because of the complexity. You have to have one gigantic brain to hold it all together, and your brain can handle it. It's and it's not right. It's it it's. Um, I have to look at this three thousand page spec sometimes. So that's not, that's what I'll say. Someone else. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Dan. Okay. Thank you so much, Dan. in the fashionable Adabot shirt, too. All right. Yeah, here we go. A lot of people know you from Collins Lab. We work together at Make. But what are you doing now? And what type of CircuitPython stuff have you been working on? No, you're muted. We could do Collins charades. Yeah, we can see you, but we can't hear you. We'll come back to Colin. We'll so, Colin, if you can hear us, you're on mute. Okay, we'll get back to you. <laughs> I can't just kind of keep going. All right, well, let's go to Melissa and. Uh... All right, Melissa, unmute your mic and what you got going on? There we go. 
Yeah. Uh, okay. I am Melissa, and I started contributing to uh, Adafruit uh, with both Arduino and CircuitPython uh, stuff kind of throughout the beginning of last year. And uh, I started uh, with the RA8875, writing a driver for that. And that was kind of like my jumping into the deep end for CircuitPython. And uh, I uh, fixed a few bugs. And then I started taking on some more uh, things like writing some of the display I.O. drivers, which was mostly just figuring out the initialization codes and stuff to get them working. And uh, I started working for Adafruit part-time uh, not long after that, and I uh, did some of the Blinka stuff, and I kind of started learning with adding a new board, and I've helped other people add some boards to that. So I kind of maintained that, and uh, now I end up doing a lot of either display work or uh, Blinka stuff because uh, I enjoy it. You're also really good at it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Melissa's really taken on Blinka support, which is not only the our mascot, but our Linux, you know, uh, single board computing and also desktop uh, C Python computing um, compatibility layer for our libraries, which is, we just solved a problem that I had for many years, which was I really, 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 really did not want to support both Arduino drivers, CircuitPython or MicroPython drivers, and Python, like C Python drivers for all of our breakouts because we have like 500. And it's like, I, you know, it's not, it's not like three times as many libraries. It's like exponential. Like when you do three different platforms, it's actually eight times harder, <laughs> not just like one times harder um, because it's, you just have to synchronize everything. And so um, doing that has been just a real blessing because we can support not only these microcontroller boards, but also like 50 different. Uh, single board Linux computers now from Raspberry Pi to BeagleBone to Onion IO to Banana Pi to other fruit based pies and beyond. Yeah. All right, All right. Cool. Colin, do you want to try to give it another shot before I get a burn? Are, are you hearing me? Yeah. yeah. Hey, oh, well, that's always a bonus. Well, and I brought a cat. I was really Basi Basically, like I'm playing the role of Jim J. Bullock here tonight, I think. Um, because, you know, I write apps at Adafruit and I make videos at Adafruit, but really when it comes to CircuitPython, I'm a fan and I'm a user and I've been lucky enough to see this whole thing start from the ground up. And I've been in these remote meetings that you've been talking about and I've seen you guys all work together and make this thing, which has grown really big. And um, I've really been happy to see that and I've saw all, gotten all the inside scoops and I've seen what's coming and I've now reaped the benefits of what you made and and thank you. So from a user perspective, I speak and I enjoy it. And if I can lend that perspective, That's please. Right. All right. I've, I've made a lot of stuff, <laughs> mostly music crazy. stuff and and yeah, and and uh, it's grown a lot. Right on. Thanks, okay, and Brian, what are you doing and what are you doing with CircuitPython? Hello. I um uh well what am i doing um, um oh, all kinds of stuff it's too long of a list to mention but uh for circuit python my main responsibility is writing drivers for new hardware and old hardware as well um so yeah i, I write the arduino drivers and the circuit python drivers um i also do product guides for new products that are coming out i do you know forum support discord support 
you know, you name the honeypot, I've probably got my thumb in it at some point in time. Um, thumbs. It's amazing. Yes, 10 thumbs up. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty much what I do uh, in my spare time. I just do the same thing I do over hacking on hardware and but with keyboards. Yes, all keyboards. Yes, uh, keyboards. I've got my 3D printer torn apart because I'm replacing the board. You know, you know the the list goes on. Yeah, drivers are an incredibly important part of the Circuit Python story. Um, you know, very early Scott and I. Uh, you know, talked a lot about how are we going to be able to support all the sensors and devices that we wanted to be able to and how, how to create the APIs that make um, adding drivers really easy. Because again, I did not want to support, you know, drivers and have it be really difficult. Um, it's it's just doing it under Raspberry Pi was such a challenge and, and we did it, but I wanted something that was portable and easy. And so we, you know, when we drafted the API for hardware interfaces, we thought about a future Brian and like what would make things easy for Brian. Thank you. So, you know, so some of the things like the registers and, and the bus IO library, which we then backported to Arduino um, yep. because I found it so handy. I was like, I want this on, on the seaside. Um, and it's been really helpful there as well. So I, I think, you know, we have like, you know, 250, 300 different drivers for sensors in CircuitPython. And that's, that's powerful. I think that's what, you know, we were covering Arduino as it was coming up. That was really important. It was the first time that you could actually get a display or a chip and a microcontroller board. And you had, there was some chance that you could get the two to work together. Yeah. Because when I was in school, it was like, you just got a data sheet and it was like, like, go F yourself. Like, good luck. You have to write the complete driver from scratch with no reference documentation other than like a really crummy Xerox of a data sheet. And now it's like people can buy sensors they buy from us, but they also buy from, you know, eBay or Amazon or, or you know, other companies, SparkFun or Seed, and, and then they just work. And it's like, that's so cool because instead of messing around with registers, they're building their robot, they're building their um, xylophone, they're building okay. their art project. The, the difference between when I first started uh, doing this type of stuff, where I was doing assembly for some maybe it was the AT Tiny or something versus, you know, like having to figure out how to wire everything up, not knowing if I got things wrong. That compared with now where I can buy a STEMI QT board, a cable, a microcontroller, plug them all into each other. There's basically no way to do it wrong and then go to a guide and read how to use it. It's like, it's, it's, it's insanely different. There's yeah. order of magnitudes, probably more people that are going to be able to say, Oh, I can do this, right? Which is, um, I, I think that's quite a achievement. Yeah. All right. Well, we can ask Lady Ada, what were you looking for when you were thinking about some type of scripting, you know, Python-like language when we were running into Scott? Um, Scott was, you were working on your own company. I think it was Chickadee. Electronics, and you were in the um, making drones. You're making drone stuff, but you were you were asking really good questions um, during one of the desktop ideas. I think about testers, and I think we had just started talking about mm -hmm. we need it. We need to move towards where you know that everyone likes to like quote Apple, Steve Jobs, Wayne Gretzky. Good, you know, skate where the puck's going to be. But we with technology and with electronics, like we knew that there was going to be fast enough chips to run all sorts of things and like yeah. what, what decision, but that's, that's where 
that's what I was going to ask you about because you have to do an intro for you. Yeah. Is uh, what are you doing? What are you doing at Adafruit? And like, how? Where did this Python or scripting language for microcontrollers come into play? Yeah. So I'm leading Ada High. This is my fault. And um, so I, I own and run Adafruit and do a lot of the hardware. And Phil, of course, helps a lot too, Mr. Lady Ada. Um, and you know, we've Adafruit's now like 15 something years old. Um, when I started, it was. Uh, well, first when I started, there was no Arduino. There was actually like you just wrote your code in ABR GCC and you compile it directly on and you used a parallel port to burn chips. And that was okay. Um, and then Arduino came out and then it was really a great idea, revolutionary, because it was a low cost, standardized way of connecting hardware. Um, I remember at the time I was explaining to engineers saying like, imagine if you didn't have printf in every platform. It's like, what if there was actually no way to print to the like output? And be like, well, how, then you could write code, but you would never see what was going on. Yeah. Well, that was how microcontroller programming used to be. Like it was completely, it was done blind. Like you, you barely had any way of telling what was going on. And so when Arduino came out with like a built-in serial port, like debug output, it was like really amazing because it was so obvious, but like nobody had done it. Like you wouldn't get dev boards with serial port access. It was. It was just like you just got pins and like three LEDs and like you know go after yourself. So when you know we were doing Arduino for quite a while and it was it was really good. Um, as projects got more and more complicated, though, I noticed that um, first off, it took a long time to compile stuff in C. Just compilers, C compilers take a while. Um, you know, GCC is not the, the fastest compiler, and um, iteration was was challenging because of that. It would have to do this like compile, upload read the output, see what's going on, debug it, and cycle again. And this this um, in this code loop of writing code, uploading, like compiling it, uploading it, debugging it, was way, way faster than it used to be, which again was like, you know, you'd have a firmware program, you had to remove the chip, you had to put on a UV lamp. So that was like, you know, tw 20 minutes per cycle. But it was still a couple minutes. And I thought like, it would be really nice if it was much, much faster. And I started seeing people start to do it, you know, this embedded microcontroller programming language stuff like Esperino and MicroPython. But at the time I actually was, you know, we looked at it and I was like, well, I really wish it would run on the SAMD processor because we were already using that chip with the Arduino core so much. And it was a good chip. It was like, you know, it's low cost, has a lot of great peripherals. Um, I was comfortable with it. I knew, I knew that Atmel uh, chips it really well. Um, and then when MicroPython was basically ported to the micro bit, that's when I knew it was possible because until then it was always like on these, you know, STM32 F4 series, these very kind of high-end processors, which would have run on the DOA Arduino DOA, but I didn't like the Arduino DOA chip for like other reasons. And so when the micro bit came out with MicroPython, I was like, oh my God, that only has 16K of RAM. And if 16K of RAM can run it, then the Sandy 21, which is 32K of RAM can definitely run it. It's like twice as much. Um, and so you know, this kind of, you know, I was kind of thinking about this for like a, you know, half a year or a year. And then MicroPython came out for the micro bit. And then like a couple months later, um, Scott was coming on the show and tell and talking about the Sandy 21 and doing this development board. And he started talking about like, oh, I'm using like Atmel, like ASF. And I was like, oh, okay. Like you are willing to like deal with this bullshit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because like the problem is, is that like I actually have been trying to get some engineers. Um, I was trying to hire engineers or find an engineer who's willing to do that low level work. Building a board support package. It's really like, I, I, it, it's good work. It's solid work, but it's really unpleasant. Um, there's a lot of like annoying details. 
that you need to have someone who's just willing to stick with it because it's not a project that can be, you can, you can get something going in a week or two, but to actually get it working takes like six months because it doesn't take any less. It's a six, six months, nine months a year to add a platform to any new development system. Just, that's just like a time constant. Um, so that we, we started with the SAMD 21 and it was, it was really fun. Like I, I, you know, I remember when I got the Raspberry Pi and I remember like, you know, we were, like, I got one, it was like the first Raspberry Pi and I plugged it in and you were like, you kind of like, well, like, well, what do you think? I mean, what is this thing? This was like the first week of it out. And I remember like I was messing around with it and I was writing Python code to talk to hardware um, on the Raspberry Pi and they turned to you and I said, this is actually enjoyable. <laughs> And I had, so that reaction was like, there was like, this is actually enjoyable. I'm actually having fun writing code. Uh, Cause like, I don't like, I, I have a, 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 like a biological urge to write code, but I don't enjoy it. And I have the same thing with CircuitPython. Like the first time I like sat down and like wrote CircuitPython code, I was like, I wrote a game of life on an LED matrix. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is actually fun. Like I'm not dealing with pointers or memory or like, stir stir somehow like stir stir is always in every freaking project for some reason and you know everything's very fast to iterate and i was able to like get the project going in 15 minutes and to me that was really amazing that it was just so fast and enjoyable it was a it was like a pure coding experience without the unpleasantness that i would have when writing a lot of c code all right, so that's a good overview. So what I was going to do is I'm going to um, I'm going to start with Scott and then give everyone a little bit of time because I think Scott probably will have the answer to this question on the tip of his tongue, and then everyone else have a little bit of time afterwards. Um, so a lot of there's more beginners and more people who don't know about computer programming than do. Just we have a long road and a lot of work to do. So Scott, when when someone says what circuit Python um, to Two-part question, and we'll go around to each person. I'll call on you, and we'll keep these kind of fast. Um, so, how do you explain what CircuitPython is, and then what project do you normally point people towards? So, everybody else, think of your one sentence how you describe CircuitPython, but also think about the project either you did or one that you would point people to as like a pretty good example of like, oh yeah, like here's a good example of like what CircuitPython can do. So, Scott, what's CircuitPython, and what's a What's a project that people should take a look at? So I usually call CircuitPython uh, Python for low-cost embedded computers called microcontrollers. <clears throat> it's kind of my spiel. Um, it's very easy programming, I guess I would say. Uh, I don't actually have a single project I point people to. I just point people to the learn.adafruit.com and I tell them to scroll through it and see what catches their eye. Uh, see what they want to make, and then go from there. Yeah. I don't have a specific one that I point people to. Yeah, I think when we add like a handful of projects, it's easier. It's like, oh, here's one that plays music and you know does a light show. Like we have Neo, oh, drives NeoPixels. But now there's you know hundreds of projects. We have two thousand something guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna do the uh, I'm gonna do the square tour here. Um, Katni, how do you describe CircuitPython? And what's a project um, that you point people to if they want to get started with it? So uh, to me, CircuitPython is a way to use uh, Python coding, but to interact with the physical world versus interacting with data. And that's really what hooked me on it in the beginning. Um, I tried to learn Python before I found CircuitPython and I, I couldn't get into it. It was just, it was boring. Um, but the minute I made an LED blank was just 
everything made sense. Um, in terms of projects, I like to find out what people are interested in, um, what they want to make, um, like Scott was saying, or what it is that they want to do. And then uh, I try to find something similar um, and point them to that to give them inspiration. Um, so there's not really a single one that I point to either. Um, it's, it's more about getting people to think about what they want to do and then helping them with uh, that uh, idea. I also like to send people the Katniss Lime Key of Lime project. It's a great, it's a great guide. Thanks. <coughs> Next up, Anne. Anne, how do you describe Circuit Python, and what's a good project for people to check out? I really steer people towards the fact that um, uh, it's been mentioned. You can focus more on your project and not necessarily on all the little bits of of machine language code that uh, you need to do it. Um, everybody can think of a project. They want to do a robot. They want to do blinky lights. There's there's any number of I want to do this, and so many people give up when they get to a platform, they choose one, however they do, a friend recommends it or they see it on a website, and they quickly start reading into it and see how hard it is and give up. And I really feel that that's a disservice. Um, making is all about accomplishing things, being able to do. And, and CircuitPython does that because it takes down those barriers. Um, Python's being taught more in schools. Um, it's a requirement in, in some countries to learn Python. It's very easy to use. And there's things like the REPL that uh, Lady Ada has talked about, where you can just go in and start typing things and see it actually work. So um, breaking down those barriers and say, OK, I don't have to worry about a driver or connections or something, because a company like Adafruit or others have already um, gotten that down to a standard. So I can focus more on, will my robot have a vision? Will it move? Will it do something else? Rather than focusing on making it move an inch or two, you know, all the complications in that. And um, as far as what I like, I mean, I, I will make a little pitch. I mean, uh, I did write a book on uh, the Circuit Playground Express. Um, and I put in code for, for how to use it. And Arduino, I couldn't even fit it into the size of the book. But CircuitPython, you can get up and going very quickly. And um, so there's a number of guides that uh, you all had me write that uh, do that. Um, if you go to learn.adafruit.com, there's the Make It series. Um, my favorite there is Make It Move. So uh, you can go on to that free tutorial and learn how to have a microcontroller talk to something like a cricket motor thing that's just they fit together and there's libraries that just make it work so you learn you know motor move forward and and it goes and you've done what five ten years ago would have taken an electrical engineering student uh, uh, a quarter to accomplish all right all right thank you so much Anne. all right jeffler 
how would you describe CircuitPython? What's a good project to point people to if they want to get started with CircuitPython, you think? Um, so I'll answer the second one first, and that is the things that have just filled me with the most joy to look at are some of Aaron St. Blaine's uh, projects with LEDs. I think anybody can instantly connect to that and imagine a way that they could take that and make it their own. You're like, I want to so, make that, I, I want to do that. And then yeah. I mean, that's the motivator to go learn. <laughs> Because yeah, you have, see, you have to see it. You have to be like, I want to, you know, cosplaying. Of course, it's now. Remember when it was like, oh, this is an interesting hobby. Now it's like, all we are is a bunch of Marvel movies now. Yeah, and so you know, like really, like we that's our that's our uh, currency with a lot of how we inter even interact with each other. It's like, mm -hmm. what science fiction things do you know about? Do I know about? So I think right. that's a good example. Like people see Aaron's project, they're like, whatever that is, I'm going to learn it. Whatever yeah. that is, I'm going to do that. Uh, but then also to echo Katni and Lamore, when when you work with Python and you're working with hardware, it can just create this joy in you, and it's meaningful in a way that working with maybe just Python on a computer is. I've talked with people who did who've done like a code boot camp or a data science approach to Python, and they bounced off because it didn't connect with anything that they really cared about on a personal level. And when you bring it into the physical world, if it's a display, if it's a sound, if it's a motion, you really connect with it, and it creates an experience that you don't get just uh, coding on a on a computer that stays inside the screen. All right, good answer. All right, Dan, what's a good explanation of what CircuitPython is when you're when you're telling people the elevator pitch, you know, the two sentence thing, and then what is the uh, project you point people to? So. I also, I, I agree with uh, what both Jeff and Katni said. That, that I just say, it's really, it's it's easy programming for physical computing. And then I have to explain what physical computing is, but it's like controlling real life things. And so much programming is like limited to these flat screens that glow. And the examples are all about that. So normally people write a Python program, maybe it draws, does some graphics thing at most, or maybe it just makes change. That's how they learn it. And it's like, it's it's connected to their sort of daily phone experience or something, but it's not real life in terms of the physical world. And to be able to control the physical world, things that they are kind of magical, like you don't really know how a car works, once you know how a car works and you know how to like fix a car even in a limited way, it really opens up your understanding of things. And I think the same thing would be true for, yeah, for doing started, something like right? You were working on an accessibility project that was like switches and buttons and knobs for and foot switches for a friend of yours. Yeah. Yeah, that was, and, and CircuitPython, it happened to be, work out really well because of some features of it, like the CircuitPy drive, which made it, which made doing the project much easier than doing it in Arduino. It made it, it made it configurable. It made it like programmable by my friend, not necessarily that he would write CircuitPython code, but that I could say, just edit this file and you can change what buttons that you are operating with your feet do. And in terms of the projects, I mean, what I've seen is that if you, just give people the REPL and say, here's some simple code examples, type these into the REPL, touch and make NeoPixels go and turn a motor and that kind of thing. Then then people get an idea. It's like, they then they come up with their own project. 
And so it doesn't really matter like what the initial project is. As long as you give them four or five things they can do, then all of a sudden they'll leap into doing something. I mean, I was I was helping some uh, a girls who code group. They weren't using CircuitPython, but they were doing um, make code. It's kind of one step easier. But all I did was just show them the things that they could do, just like I would have done in CircuitPython. And then they, each of them came up with something. Oh, I'm going to make something that plays music. Oh, I'm going to make something that does lights. Oh, I'm going to make something that responds to movement. And so the, each, each, each of them immediately came up with something that they really wanted to do once I showed them the building blocks. And you can do that so easily in CircuitPython with the REPL. Right on. Yeah, when we were um, trying to help make robotics more accessible, being able to iterate with a REPL and turning a servo motor so you can get the robotic thing to do exactly what you want and doing that over and over and over again without having to compile because you're just like typing in values. You're like, oh, I want it to go this much, this much, this much. You can actually see real time, a physical motion of the thing that you just typed in. Yeah, it actually reminds me a little bit, you know, of talking about how you were showing all these kids the different tools. It's a little bit like art class. You know, when you're a kid, you go into like art class and there's like paint and there's clay and there's, you know, FEMA and there's like paper and scissors and you're not told what to make. They're just like, well, why don't you make something yeah. with the materials? And it's like every, no kid is like, I have no idea what to make. They're always like, they just grab whatever and they start, they just start making and they're inspired by the material properties. Yeah. And I think CircuitPython has a little bit of that, but the properties of the electronics are, are more tactile, they're more available to people because you can just write in the REPL what you want to do. You could play. Yeah. yeah. That's right. I mean, calling it the circuit playground is actually, I mean, you're playing in the REPL. That's why it's so much fun. I mean, adults have more trouble doing that. You're saying kids, they just say, oh, this is what I'm going to do. They don't have to yeah. get an assignment. Adults have more trouble with that, but sometimes. All right, Colin, okay. how do you describe CircuitPython and uh, what project would you point people to? I describe, I guess I have described it as programming electronics with common sense, more just to really break it down kind of thing, which the common sense I mean is um, really dragging and dropping mm. files is a really big thing. Uh, that's, that's a modality we all know and like kids know and you know, my parents know and my brothers know, everybody knows. Uh, so you can jump right in and realize that yes, you do know how to operate a computer and that is a technical thing. And you don't have to jump through all these other hoops. I myself did learn to jump through a bunch of other hoops. And when you guys were first showing this work and I'm like, I don't know, scripting, <laughs> and we're, we're, I don't know, what is drag and drop, whatever, I, I'm gonna compile, I don't know. Um, and uh, obviously I really warmed up to it over the years. And um, yeah, I think that's a really important bridge. And, uh, and even if you are used to older ways, uh, when you go to this, you can free up some brain space to focus on what's more important. As far as a good starting point, I mean, come on, NeoPixel strand test. That's that's the okay. that's the inroad. That's the classic, right? And you get that you get that instant light up satisfaction. And and then and then and then my personal favorite is the feather waveform generator project by Davis Stells because you got an encoder working in there. You got uh, an OLED and you're generating audio and it's like all pretty compact and really understandable. So a little bit of a step up. All right. All, all right. the spectrum okay. really. Melissa, how do you describe CircuitPython and what's a good project for people to check out? 
Uh, I would describe CircuitPython as a language uh, that you can use to concentrate on what you want the program to actually do instead of all the little details like the data types and everything. And the projects that I would point people to are the ones that would inspire them really because uh, I've had the most fun on projects that I have been inspired by and it's like I just can't get certain things out of my mind like uh, I had done a uh, calculator that I put a Raspberry Pi inside of and that was a lot of fun and I've done like a message reader board and uh, I like working with a lot of the displays with CircuitPython and I, I always just find that a lot of fun so uh, it's just really whatever inspires you. All right, Brian? Uh, I like to tell people that CircuitPython is a way of telling the little computers in your refrigerator what to do. Because that's like, if you start with it's a programming language or it's programming, a lot of people don't even know what that is. But one thing that's cool about CircuitPython is that it is accessible enough that it can be someone's first programming language. It can be a way to learn what programming is. And having it be you know tactile, like everyone's mentioned, is a huge part of that. All right. Okay. Well, that's a good overview. Lydia, did you have anything before move on to uh, asking some more questions? And then yeah, questions I, think, I think I think I think it's cool to hear from everybody their different insight. And, you know, people. You know, everyone's, and I'm looking around. I'm like, well, everyone is coming to this from a different background. Um, someone like Anne, who's been writing code for you know decades, and uh, you know Dan, who comes from a Unix background, and Katni, who learned to program in CircuitPython, and Scott, who you know wanted to do a hardware company, and then you know I think probably with the code in C, and and Colin, who came down to Earth from his native planet, and brought us musical synthesizers. Um, you know, and, and Melissa, who's who's really into displays, and Brian, who's really great at writing grabbers, and and Jeff, who is a, a jack of all trades. Um, you know, everyone everyone has their own way of contributing and being part of it. And I like how there's a little bit of overlap, but everyone really does have a unique way of using CircuitPython and contributing to CircuitPython. And the, the way they look at it is a little different. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things that because we we have a large customer base. Then the large community, and we also have a lot of employees. One of the ways that you end up describing something um, like CircuitPython is it's always helping you. It's always doing things. It's like someone put a lot of thought into it's it. It's not a mean way. Yeah, it's it's every opportunity. It's like, oh, look, it's giving me a message that's helping me. So I always start with, well, when you plug in that microcontroller, that electronic, whatever it is, it just shows up as a USB drive. That's something that everyone knows. So everyone knows like, oh yeah, USB drive. Like I use those all the time. It's something helpful. I'm putting something important on it. It's yeah. mine and I'm gonna do something with it. So there's a physical nature of it. It's like, well, what if computer programming was as easy as plugging in a USB drive? And that's like, oh, tell me more. And then you start to get into things like, well, what are things you like? And if you like music, there's something. If you like visuals and, yeah. and having lights light up. But one of the things that I suggest as I always point people to some of the science fiction or cosplay stuff. It's like, oh, you know that tricorder that you always wanted to make? Oh yeah, because it's a lot of a like, lot of people making like the lightsaber props. Yeah, like, a lot of people who want to make lightsabers and 
I've always had a, a bit of a nitpick with the lightsaber building community. It's so complicated and expensive. <laughs> I am sorry, like if you're watching, but I've always been like, why is this so complicated? They're not watching, they're working on their lightsabers. And, and you know, it's nothing's open source and it's all just like proprietary. And so I was like, I, let's just make it really easy to do like light sword or, or ray gun props. And it's like, it is really easy. You can drag and drop the sound effects. You can change the light colors of, yeah. your, of your lightsaber very easily. All things that are just like so hard to do with straight C programming. Yeah, so that's usually what, what I try to do is I, I find out what they know that's familiar with, uh, that they're familiar with, and then um, talk to it about something they want to do or like, hey, you know how like it's always annoying to do the following? Well, yeah. it's not, and this makes it easy. You don't have yeah. to do that. Okay. Um, well, I want to maximize our time because we have about 15 more minutes. We'll get to some questions that came in the chat, but let's do a little bit of a speed round. I'm going to start with Scott again because Scott steers a lot of the CircuitPython ship, um, and then everyone has a little bit of time to think ahead. So, Scott, the next year, because we're going to look back at this CircuitPython day, um, what do you want to see in CircuitPython over the next year? Uh... Yeah, I have a non-answer, kind of. Uh, I want to get Colin sucked into CircuitPython land. Uh, he started working on Glider, which is a prototype I did a year or two ago. Uh, but it's it's core to my vision for what CircuitPython broadly means, which is making computing more accessible to people as a tool to do whatever they need. Uh, and Glider specifically fits into that in giving people access to programming when they do not have a laptop. Uh, do not have a desktop. When they only have a phone with a touchscreen, having a reasonable, fun way to get that same CircuitPython experience we're talking about with USB, uh, but over Bluetooth from an app on your phone. Um, <laughs> that's not in the CircuitPython core. I've got lots for that as well. But you know that the, the core goal, I think, for Adafruit and, and CircuitPython as a result is, is bringing more beginners into programming. It's perfect. And perfect. I think that it's my dream. It's complicated. It's it's R and D, but like yeah. that is core yeah, to our mission. I think makes perfect sense. And uh, yeah, stay tuned. Already started out. You sparked my interest heavily, and it's, <laughs> it's inspiring to take on the fly, and then maybe you're gonna put it even more on the fly, and be able to change your NeoPixel colors at the con while you're checking out, buying your wings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's really innovative stuff. Uh, it's a great vision. Katni, between now or and when. next year, yep. um, what would you like to see in CircuitPython? I would like to see it become even easier for uh, community contributions to be made. Um, we have a community bundle for uh, libraries from community members for stuff that we don't necessarily support directly. Um, we've kind of made it easy to, to do, but it's not. It, there's a kind of complicated guide that you need to follow to a T and like update some stuff to make it work and so on and so forth. And um, I I want to see it where someone can say, you know, I wrote this thing that works with this board that I bought and I think it would be great for CircuitPython and we can say, all right, go here and do these three steps and then we'll get it added to the bundle. Um, I want to see that streamlined because community contributions are super important to what we do. It, the, the community is, is core to CircuitPython. And I want people to be able to be more involved without having to know a lot of ins and outs of various things. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I would like to see. 
Yeah. Right. Like the robot automatically pilot, you know, it'll, it'll be like, hi, Databot coming in, like getting your library already for submission. Yeah. It's like sweeping up. And I think it shows <laughs> a lot of, um, you know, confidence that we have. Like we're working back from the idea that this is going to be really successful and we're going to have to manage a lot of different things no matter what. So why don't we start and, and make it easier long term? Like right yeah. now we build thousands of firmware blobs to get it onto all the devices, different languages. We thought that that was going to happen from the start, so we did a lot of work with it. So that's a good, it's a good future thing. We'll see how we end up a year from now. And what do you want to see CircuitPython in CircuitPython over the next year? Well, I was just thinking that uh, all been very challenged in the last few months. Adafruit has been working very hard as far as um, COVID and uh, and all the related stuff. We now have millions of students who are separated from their classroom. They don't have a classroom full of laptops or computers or something. Um, it would be good to uh, keep the new learning uh, paradigm in mind when we're doing this. And as Scott was just talking about, um, maybe people don't have certain types of computers, but nearly everybody has a phone with a USB port, or um, nearly every phone has uh, Bluetooth now and Wi-Fi. So um, to uh, simplify that to the level that um, Katni and Crayola have done with taking LEDs and going from I can light one LED to I can light a whole wall full of them. If we could kind of translate that into the communication. Okay. All right, Jebler, I think you want to see great. the CircuitPython next year. Is it Canvas? I mean, <laughs> uh, yes, I want to see Canvas uh, hopefully in the next All month right. to six weeks. Uh, but uh, within the next year, I mean, I just keep getting pulled in new directions with everybody's ideas. But uh, something that is on my mind a lot is uh, this act of getting the libraries onto your device. You know, you'll go through a guide and it will say, you need this, this library and this library and this library. I think there is a really ripe spot, especially with the ESP32S2 with the Wi-Fi uh, coming on board to for somebody to come up with something that is really disruptive and awesome in terms of getting the supporting code that you need onto your device. And I don't know what that is, but I hope that somebody will see what that is and, and come forward with. Yeah, and we'll the, do a little bit of the top secret coming for. soon. So this is a clue. This is a micro bit shape board run circuit Python has, um, you know, a screen and this is the ESP32 S2 mini, which happens to fit exactly on the back. So now we're going to have a Wi-Fi clue. So um, I'm going to go to Dan in a second, but you can imagine a, a hardware world where everything's low power, everything's Wi-Fi or Bluetooth, everything has a screen, everything shows up as a USB drive and or easy to code on a phone or whatever you have. Um, and it's like 20 bucks. So think about what that means for education all the way to helping um, a sensor everywhere in some way that you have like real-time feedback, battery, Portable, um, and I'm not, not going to be happy until the clue board actually, when you turn it on, it says it's time for an update, and it takes like 20 minutes to well, update itself. Yeah, looks like my next next thermostat. <laughs> All right, Dan, what do you want to see in Circuit Python over the next year? I think I think two things. One is something that Scott asked me this this morning, and um, making uh, 
making doing things in parallel easier. Like I want to control several NeoPixel strands at once, or I want to listen for some inputs and also do some outputs at the same time. And can I do that simply? It's, there are ways to do it right now in regular Python, and they're really complicated and they're hard to understand. And it would be nice to come up with a programming paradigm that makes that easy. There are, we see that in some other systems like MakeCode, and can we do the same thing in Python? And then the other is to make more building block libraries so that it's it's as easy as possible to do a simple, like a simple Bluetooth project or a simple Wi-Fi project. So that a lot of the stuff that, just like CircuitPython hit a lot of the hardware details, can we also hide a lot of the programming details right. underneath the libraries? Colin, what do you want to see in CircuitPython? Okay. Well, I definitely like the second, uh, what Jeff said about like, there's some magical, thing that fits into the library loading deal because it pretty much once you've you know brought down friction and all these other areas then there's the couple little peaks standing there sort of stand out and I'm like how did can, that seems hmm, maybe I'm getting lazy and I just want it to happen automatically now um, but uh, and then of course like Scott said um, mobile uh, code editing is definitely in our future I think I can say for sure but I'll leave that for another time as far as what my brain just wants to see besides those two things to add to the conversation i i would love code completion uh just in an editor and and move is great because of its simplicity and perhaps i'm a little spoiled by xcode but i'd love some like that and i know there was a great reduction to the barrier for entry with i was getting started coding um and just as a bonus there's a lot of documentation i was going to say i want more documentation as a reflex but there's so much documentation it's really good so thanks for that. All right. Thanks, Colin. Okay, Melissa, what do you want to see in CircuitPython over the next year? Uh, I would like to see some more UI controls uh, that we could be adding to like the Pi Portal and stuff like that, like radio buttons and scrolling text boxes and things like that. And uh, I'd also like to, uh, I, this is more of a dream, I guess, uh, that we could have multi-threading in uh, CircuitPython itself. So, because there's definitely been some times where I would have liked to have a thread running in the background and stuff. All right, Brian, what do you want to see in CircuitPython over the next year? Uh, I have a short attention span, so right now I'm thinking about motors a lot. Um, so more support for drivers-wise and hardware-wise, stepper motors, brushless motors, uh, encoders, things that work on robotics projects would all be cool. Um, the, everything that everyone else said is a way better idea than that. But <laughs> yeah, we know people like most CNC projects would really benefit from Python. Yeah, I mean, it's it's starting to get more into the 3D printer kind of hardware space. It's um, there's, I don't know, the, the way it's done now, I feel like there's a lot of room for improvement to make things easier. Not necessarily circuit Python, but whatever. Um, but I think specifically, making things easier for people in general, whether it's documentation or, um, you know, doing PRs or like just learning how to program, all of that stuff is really good for, I think, um, empowering people and showing them that they can do these things that they thought maybe they couldn't. Um, and I think in general, that's a good approach to kind of have is keep doing what we're doing, growing our user base, making it easier and, um, yeah, making it easier to do a PR would be awesome. Because like, 
compared to everything else in Circle Python, it's like, okay, I guess I can go up there, but do I have to? Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the emphasis um, that we, we'd like to do over the next year is just not necessarily CircuitPython related, but we still want to do the GitHub for Kids approach where like on the like a very like Lego-y, easy, my first, my first like GitHub thing. And one of the ways, you know, I remember I was older, um, but making an HTML website on your own from scratch was like a big deal. Yeah. And it was like, make sure you learn HTML. Um, and I feel like GitHub pages doing, even if you're just editing a readme, you're doing an about page about yourself. And uh, GitHub, um, now that they're part of Microsoft, you can definitely see that as an emphasis. So I think what, one of the things that will be good is being able to get more people, even if they're not necessarily writing code, but they're they're updating things, they're doing things just to get into the habit mm -hmm. of it. Um, you know, the future is, a lot of the things we're going to be doing is manage code together and social coding in some way. Yeah. And I think, you know, I know that, you know, the way kids do homework assignments now is it, it's, it's all done online, submitted online, it's edited online. So the idea that you have like documents that people are looking at and editing and like yeah. live and you can see people editing um, to me, it's still magical, but for a lot, you know, for anybody growing up now, it's completely normal. Yeah. Like they don't even like, they're like, why would you ever write something that isn't in the cloud? Like what happens if your hard drive dies? And it's like, well, you just lost everything in your life and you just kind of dealt with it. Um, and I think the same thing's going to be for coding. It's like, what do you mean you would write code on your own for your own devices? What do you mean you weren't doing it as part of a community yeah. effort? Yeah. Um, and uh, before I do a little bit of a speed round with some of the questions came in, so one of the best ways to predict the future is just to stop by Lady Ada's desk. And what's on Lady Ada's desk, and we talk about it on Desk of Lady Ada, the, the Wi-Fi is getting tiny and it runs CircuitPython. And it's cheap. It's and, like probably going to be a dollar. And, and we have e-ink displays that are full color or lots of colors. We're doing low power stuff with CircuitPython. Things will be able to turn on and turn off, get code updates, um, be updatable, open source, you'll know what's in there. I think a lot of people care about privacy. If you can look and inspect the code on these devices, you can improve it, and mm -hmm. also other people can improve it. And I think that's one of the things that's really important. When we make an IoT device, we're like, let's make sure there's an off switch on it. Um, so let's do a little bit of a speed round with some of the questions that came in. I'll also read off some of the uh, the, the compliments and, and more. Um, a lot of folks really like the maintainability of CircuitPython. So um, one of the questions was, is CircuitPython stable enough for commercial applications? Um, and is there any over-the-air firmware options available? I can answer the first part. So we know people are using this in a commercial setting, but not because of the ease of update for firmware, um, you know, wireless updates. It's because it's actually maintainable. You can deploy a bunch of things, and you can do, a, you can, you can do something to it. It's not game over. You don't have to recompile. You don't have to do everything. You actually have the ability to do stuff. Um, so I guess, uh, does anyone want to, anyone want to take on the second part? Um, do we see an over the air type firmware delivery method or for libraries at some point in the future? So we are trying to figure out the final, uh, partition layout for the ESP32 S2 and we do leave two spots for CircuitPython so that one day you'll be able to do that. Um, but we don't have any concrete plans to do it. We just yeah. don't want to like preclude um, it from happening later. Um, it'll basically probably be like 
supervisor dump yeah, the binary. Just a little ESP thirty two S two. It's Wi Fi. Uh, it's going to run Circuit Python. We have USB, so expect it. Like it's not a question of if now; it'll be when we do things like that because we just have like a low cost Wi Fi chip with all the power yeah. of Circuit Python. So we'll we'll definitely use all of it. Yeah. Well, yeah. We're thinking. We're, we're thinking not doing it now, so but we'll do it sometime yeah. in the future. One good thing for the person who asked about the commercial application. So exactly. one of the things that we have seen is people who have deployed something that, like it's a data longer, for instance, they're USB drives. So when they take them from the field, they just plug them all into a hub and they show up as USB drives. They can script it or they can just grab up files, they can update stuff, and now they're back. And it's a lot easier than worrying about all the other things that you normally have to worry about for device deployment, um, especially for like sensors that you're getting huge amounts of data in. Um, next up, um, what's uh, what point should someone consider CircuitPython for a project instead of Arduino? What are the bottleneck to make it worth uh, the expense? Uh, I'll help out a little bit with this. I don't think it's an either or. I think you should just look at what you want to do. And if there is an easy way to get there, pick one, try them both. And then bottlenecks. Um, you do need a faster process. Yeah. If, you can't, if, you have an, if all you have is an Arduino Uno. If you're you still rocking the Arduino Uno, you're going to be sticking with that. But does anyone want to uh, answer that? Like, when? what's the fork in the road? Um, not literally. Um, but when when do you say like oh like I would normally do Arduino with this? I'm going to go down the circuit Python road. I kind of think of it backwards from how I learned both. So I learned Arduino first and then went to circuit Python because it was round. Um, but I think generally speaking, circuit Python is a great place to start. It's easy to use. You can iterate really fast, get things done. And then if you ever find that it's not fast enough or it's missing some driver you care about, then by then you'll have a good design, hopefully, that you can port into Arduino and make it okay. faster. And all um, so we'll be in the chat. Um, we'll drop some of the links. I want to uh, remind everyone that this CircuitPython day and every CircuitPython day four, we're always going to dedicate it to a group. So this one is dedicated to Lambda Labs. They're in Beirut. Um, everyone saw the explosion that happened there. 2020 just continued to deliver the hits. Um, so in our chats and in the uh, blog posts and more, um, if you want to donate, if you want to help support them, uh, they were and part of CircuitPython Day from the start. And that was one of the things that we wanted to do with CircuitPython is go international. But um, we all know uh, we're kind of stuck in um, this, this sliders universe for a bit. And so uh, we're going to have to help each other quite a bit. And so in our closing minutes, um, I'm going to go around starting a Katni and I'll weave through. Um, you know, you're going to probably look at this video a year from now. If you could tell yourself something, you know, a year from now, Katni, what would you want to hear yourself say? Like you're going to, you're now going to be talking to someone, you know, a year, you, a version of you, you a year from now. You can also ask that person a question. Yeah. So that's a tough one. Um, I know, right? For one thing, move my camera so that I'm actually centered on it. So I start. Right. Yeah. Um, but in terms of Circuit Python stuff, um, I guess I'd want to know, like, or in terms of telling my future self stuff, or or vice versa, I'd I'd want to know whether the stuff we wanted to see out of Circuit Python happened, right? Um, because it's it's important stuff, and it's but it's a lot, so we can't do all of it. <laughs> um, so I'd, I'd want to know whether or not we did it and what our priorities ended up being and whether or not we're going to put effort into the rest of those things. Okay. And message to yourself for next year. I would uh, ask myself, um, how are we connecting with the community? Um, 
I'm always looking for better ways of finding all the, the news around the world for the newsletter and for Adafruit social media. Um, how can we interface? And, and it's been a core uh, tenant of CircuitPython that it's not just uh, the code, it's not the hardware, it's, it's a community because it wouldn't be here if everybody wouldn't be contributing open source. So um, I'd be asking myself, well, how, how have you done it better? Because uh, I can and always Jeff, use a message that. to the future self. What do you want to send? Uh, I'd say future self, remember, even though uh, there's a lot of bad stuff going on right now, that there's a lot of good stuff and how much fun you're having with what you're doing. All right. Scott, message to future Scott. I don't know. I, ex I think this is kind of a hard one. Yeah. I think. Uh, it's like last. Keep, keep working on the things you think are important, even if you didn't get them done. Yeah. Um, Glider is one of those things. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to continue that on. Uh, big things take time. Yeah, this yeah. is a little bit of a, 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 a trick. Um, you know, we're showing our, our work. So we, we do a show every week forever. You know, we've been doing it for like 10 years. And so there's projects that we started seven years ago that we might just be finishing now. And I think part of the idea is if you publish and you do things um, open source, you can always go back to it, but just keep the momentum up. Like just have, you know, and sometimes it takes people, sometimes it takes resources, but you know, there's a lot of really good ideas just because you don't get to them today. doesn't mean they're eventually not going to happen. Like we spent a really long time on getting feather going. There's a lot of different. Yeah, it took a year. Yeah, there's a lot of different things that we're like, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. All right, Dan, what do you want to tell future Dan? I think I want to ask or say, let's make sure that the experience gets even smoother. Okay. There are fewer bumps in the road, and everything kind of works, and we don't have to. We don't have to explain the same things over and over to people or help them with the same problems. It just works. Got it. Colin, message of future Colin. A year from now, because we're going to look back at this. Are you okay? What did you survive? Do you still live in a democracy? I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to boil this down. Do, do you remember what is important? I'll say that. Do you, do you remember to focus on what's important? And actually, I have been doubling down and sort of realizing that over these more harder times that creativity, uh, connecting with people through things you make, that is what's important. And that's what you guys really make happen, honestly. So okay. thank you. Melissa, send a message to yourself a year from now. Oh, you're no. muted. It's a very quiet message. <laughs> uh, hopefully, I can hit to, uh, my. Hopefully, my. Well, to my future self, I'm gonna say. Um, I'm sure my future self will know more than I know right now. But uh, so I actually had asked my future self. Uh, it, uh, I hope my house didn't burn down in these fires. Okay. But uh, regarding Circuit Python, I'm gonna say like, I'm gonna say like, just keep work on, uh, keep on working on these uh, projects that you love doing and enjoy doing, and um, you'll do well. All right, Brian, future self, what do you want to say? What do you want to ask? If I had five minutes of my own time next year, I would ask a question and make a statement. The question would be, are there machine parsable data sheets yet? And <laughs> the statement would be, look at all the things you did over the last year. Yeah. Because I think it's really easy to forget all the stuff that you're doing on because you're so focused day to day. Um, you look back and there's a trail of things you've done. So 
It's good yeah. to get that mindset. All right. Remember somewhere I read like that you're it's you know, for a lot of people they're disappointed with what they've done in one day, but they're impressed with what they've done in one year. Yeah. You know? exactly and that, yeah. And I feel like that sometimes. Some days I'm just like, I only did like one thing. I just like you know like I fought with like like an encoding error or something for like six hours. Like ah, I didn't even get to do the thing I want to do because I was just fighting with something. But over the over the long period, some days go fast, some days go slow. But over a year. Um, you know, we've yeah. accomplished quite a lot. All right. So is this your thing you're going to tell yourself? Um, I, I think so. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't even know what it, earth is going to look like in a year. I'm, I'm kind of scared. Um, I, I think what I would like to see in the next, um, year, what I, I think would be good is, is, you know, more wireless and, um, you know, another two platforms added. I'd like to, I'd also like to see, you know, basically the default, shipping firmware for like you know i think when when companies are going to come out with low-cost esp32 s2 boards there's a lot of people making esp32 s2 boards i would like circuit python to be the default thing that ships on them and i think they should i mean like it'll save them a lot of hassle i think so too and i think if we do a good enough job it will become yeah. the, the default and i think i think that's a good sign when it's like you know like I, like today i was as i was working on the inapi you know i looked at analog devices and um you know, they basically, for this chip I was looking at, they didn't make it a, a dev board. Usually they make these like $70 dev boards and it's just like a whole like thing just to like test this one little chip. Instead, they actually made an Arduino shield and they're like, just plug it in. It's basically like a stem connector, like plug in the sensor and then you want our, our Arduino sketch on it. And it's like, it took 10 years, but Arduino became like the default install for people doing electronics and like CircuitPython to be part of that as well. Yeah. All right. So we're... Uh... Couple minutes over, but it's Wait, okay. You have to go. I'm gonna I'm gonna say just the last thing, and I, and I, you know, we do a weekly state of the fruit, yeah, um, which is our entire company, and uh, we have these recordings that we do internally of it. Everybody knows, you know, we're I'm reading off the notes and we're doing stuff, and I know I'm gonna look back a year from now and say what happened March fifteenth, what yeah. happened the week after, what happened the week after, and um, as a as a company, as a culture, and this thing that we're working on called CircuitPython, which is more than just the code, it's more than just the hardware. I think these connections that we're making with each other right now, the, the people connections that's making the hardware and the software happen is going to be the most special thing that comes out of CircuitPython. Because yeah, times are extremely tough. They're probably going to get worse. I'm, I usually try to live in the future. They will get better. Yeah. So the thing is, we're probably going to be stuck with each other. So if we can make even the tough times work out really well, they're going to get even better. We we grew up uh, Adafruit uh, in, as the World Trade Center was getting built and during the last recession, the Great Recession, 2008. And as we were building Adafruit in kind of the toughest times, that's what helped made Adafruit such a sturdy, anti fragile, robust company that keeps all of us going. So we didn't do any layoffs, no uh, furloughing, no cut hours. We're able to carry and sustain people better than giant publicly held companies, venture-backed companies. We've been a woman-owned company manufacturing in New York City. So I think the investment that we do in each other and in the community and just taking good care of ourselves and getting used to the idea of like, let's always publish something, even if we don't think we get everything we want to get done each day, just chain together a series of good things, even if it's just something once a day that we can look back on. I think that was mentioned before, like look back, 
because that's the thing that will probably help continue to get us through because that's what got us here. Yeah. That's why we were able to like. No, you're relentless. You do, you do something every day. Every day you have to do a little something. And, yeah. and with the things like helping people get ready to vote, helping mobilize our team from uh, racial injustice to getting the word out to vote to helping people remember to wear a mask. Like if you do something, just one thing each day, whether it be something with code or something with our community, you can chain all those together. And that is what helps make things better. Yeah, It's not just one individual, it's just a, a bunch of people every single day doing one thing that moves us forward. So that's the thing I hope we can all look back and say, yeah, you know what, like that was a tough 2020, but boy, look at what we did. Yeah. So, okay, with that, we'll see everybody. That is our Circuit Python day. Thank this you, year. everybody. We'll look back at this next year. Thank you, everyone. Thank Katney, Anne, Jepler, Scott, Dan, Colin, Melissa, Brian. Don't forget, this year is dedicated to Lend Labs. Look for the links. Um, we do this every single week in some way, shape, or form. Um, check out our Discord meetings that we have on Mondays, normally at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Check out our show and tell that we do starting. We're going to move it to 7.30, not a full hour. Starting Wednesday of next week, Ask an Engineer, 8 p.m. next week. Deep Dives with Scott on Fridays. We have JP's new product pick on Tuesdays, and then JP's workshop on Thursdays. And Noam Pedro have their show, 3D Hangouts. So you can do something every single day with Adafruit if you really want to. Or you can catch up later and just binge watch us all on the weekends. And you can always join us on Discord. All right. Thank you so much, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Have a fantastic CircuitPython day. Circuit we'll Python see everybody day. tomorrow and do one little thing that makes the world a little bit better. It might just be up to us. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.